Greetings, greetings, fellow flower sniffers. Welcome back to another episode of Herb of the Week. I'm your host, Kyle Denton. And today we are going to talk about goldenrod. We're going to talk about goldenrod. We're going to talk about the equinox. We're going to talk about Libra. Let's get into it. Um, Libra season is here. Where the equinox has come, it's gone. And it's all downhill from here, <laughs> basically, at least until the, the wheel turns up again. And that's why Libra is represented as scales, as the balance. You know, all the other zodiacal signs, they get something living. They get to be an animal or some kind of person or two people. But Libras get a device, a machine, a something that's not inherently found in nature. And all of those uh, sky clock watchers that, uh, that went back and looked at all these patterns over and over found, well, you know what? It's just the most suitable for the time. It's the most suitable for the season, this balance, these scales. Because when, you enter into, when we enter into the Libra season, we are at the equinox, which means equal, as in the day is equal and the night is equal. So there is already a balance and it's opposing Aries, which is the other equinox that's in the springtime. So all of our lessons that we're going to bring forward in this next four are going to talk about herbs in respect with Libra having to do with something about the balance aspect, which also is representative of justice, of weighing, of weight and of the parts of the body that Libra rules. So we're moving from Virgo down south. Virgo, of course, being that like upper, uh, sorry, middle digestive aspect, you know, the liver, the gallbladder, the small intestines and the like, and into the lower part of the torso, which is where the scales are in the body, the kidneys. The kidneys are always weighing the blood. They're the filters of the blood. There's, we got two of them, one bean on each side. And to balance everything out, to balance out the pH of the body, to balance out the protein content of the body, to say, I want this and I'm going to keep this. Or I don't know if I'm going to keep this, so I'm just going to hold it for a little bit. And I definitely want to get rid of that, so I'm going to get rid of that. That's the job of the, of the kidneys, and that's the job of the Libra in the Zodiac as well, is to weigh, to make decisions, to decide, to not decide, to hold, and to make, um, to be the arbiter of that justice, so to speak, as whatever leaves the body, whatever must be executed to, to leave. So it's really important. It's a really, obviously, it's a really important. It's what we would also consider in medical astrology, the last part of the body that we need for vitality. Like you can, like we can live without, um, you know, everything else <laughs> basically from there on down. Um, and it's been shown, you know, and people can live without kidneys and stuff too. And they can, they can go some time without all, a lot of these other organs, but I think you catch my drift, right? These are, this is the last of the vital organs. Libra also rules the lumbar. So we're talking about like the lower torso, the lumbar part of the spine. 
Um, the whole back, like the whole solar panel of the back itself, that's a Leo uh, rulership because Leo is the sun. And so it wants to, we, we need the part that needs to get the most sun. So it's like the solar panel of the back. But the lumbar of the spine, let's just say that what puts us in good standing. And in the, in the studies of law and justice and everything like that, these are all Libra ideas, Libra aspects, correspondences. We want to proceed with good standing. Um, and then the skin as well. In some traditions, the skin is the uh, ruled by Libra. Libra as a sign is, the, uh, is under the domain and the rulership of Venus. So that makes sense to have the skin, right? The, the appearance. Libras, like the other Venusian ruled sign, of Taurus are considered to be the most beautiful, the most beautiful of all the signs. And that's because it's Venusian. Taurus has a youth quality to it and um, a, a strength in its beauty. Whereas Libra, which is a Venusian sign, has a balance. So a lot of times in physiognomy, when we're looking, when I'm when I'm looking <laughs> at people, I always like to ask, and if I get a chance, and it's polite and it's tactful to find out what their z zodiacal sign is, if their sun sign, which I think is very easy to tell sometimes for some people, and uh, also the rising. But a lot of times you can get a, a good idea if we're if you start studying physiognomy especially the, Venu uh, the Venusian aspect. So people who appear very, very beautiful, their skin is radiant and they have a balanced aspect. Their face looks symmetrical. There's a symmetry to both sides. Um, in the Taurus Venusians, they usually have like big, huge cow eyes, you know, those big, beautiful, be beautiful eyes and more of a suppleness and a, and a square like quality. Whereas um, this particular sign is more sharp, a little bit more sharp. We're across the way, straight across the way from Aries here. So there's like some angles of that uh, dynamic with this Martian-Venus connection here. The Martian-Venus connection comes back you know, two times every, every, every year. We got Mars to Venus from Aries, from Equinox, to equinox, so from Aries to Libra, and then we got Venus to Mars from Taurus to Scorpio. So they're playing against each other in a lot of these ways, and that's why a lot of these herbs that I'm also going to introduce have an aspect to deal with either pacifying this Martian nature, or um, yeah, or or helping balance the Martian nature. Is probably a better way of putting it. <laughs> After all, we got plenty of airtime to talk more about Libra, the the ins and outs of it over these next few episodes. Let's get into the plant itself, goldenrod. I think that it's really cool. I think that it's um, I don't know excellent for me to help put these plants in these areas of the year when they are, you know being able to express themselves at this time of the year. Doesn't always work that way. I mean, we have herbs in Aquarius. <laughs> there's no herbs growing in Aquarius. We have herbs in Capricorn. There's really nothing growing in Capricorn. But the way that I see it, 
an adage that I use often is that we have herbs for what we need, where we need, at the time that we need them. And that makes a lot of sense to put goldenrod right here because, well, it's on its, it's on its way out. But goldenrod is the dominant flower on the landscape right now. It's the dominant color. Um, at least in my bioregion in the Midwest, we see goldenrod and we see its other access color the, across the color wheel. We see New England aster, which is really cool to have that dynamic play out in nature. And you might remember New England aster from previous episode in Gemini, where I was talking a lot about that as a, a plant for the lungs. But I really also think, man, if, if I just didn't do that double Gemini herb, like New England aster would be a really good one for the Libra season as well, because it also helps with the diaphragm, which is to me like the northern edge of Libra territory in the body. And uh, with that, it also helps with uh, the nervous system. Just the lungs have a balancing aspect as well. It balances the nervous system. It balances the... Anyway, I'm talking about New England Aster. I'm getting away from the subject here. I'm just saying that New England Aster and Goldenrod really, really do balance each other out visually. They form a relationship, and that is in the territory of Libra, relating from one to another. So in the book Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer, there's a passage or chapter, and I'm going to condense it into my own words. But it's basically saying that this the architecture of this relationship is emblematic of um, nature making something dynamic for the sake of creating and that simply by sitting and viewing it it's almost like it's inviting us to create something beautiful for the sake of creating so that's what i would propose my first order of goldenrod medicine is certainly just sitting with the plant and conjuring up ways that we can relate <laughs> relate to the plant relationship these are all um, libra type words this is kind of an odd thing to describe again it's about the balance it's about weighing things out here but in all of the signs leading up to libra all of this stuff is about our vital organs when we're talking about it in a if we look at it from the chart on a chart perspective, we see that they have to do with personal self. They have to do with your your oneness or your, or your home or your health. And then once we get to Libra, everything after that has to do with relationship to other, to the community, to your service, um, and, and so on. However, juxtaposition-wise, nature, in nature, when we're in the public aspect of when we feel the most public would be the summertime. That's when we're going out. That's when we're doing things in the light of the sun. And after the equinox, that's when we retreat into our private domain. That's when we retreat into our private homes. We work on ourselves. We look at our shadow. That's the shadow time. And so this time of year, 
the equinox is really, really special. It's a really special point for us to reflect on public and private, our, our, the, the face that we put on for, for other people and the face that we put on for ourselves when we actually look within and examine the balance between that. Is it really, really, is there a great difference between that? Is it pretty similar? Is who you see in the mirror the same that somebody else would see? Of course not, but um, it's a really good question to ask ourselves. Anytime, really, but it's very potent and powerful right now at at the equinox. So let me just uh, imagine that I'm on an herb walk with you and we're sitting in any random place because almost every random place right now is growing goldenrod <laughs> at least in in my town there it's all over it's um it grows by underground rhizomes so it's got this vast network of goldenrod that can pop up all over the place and um sitting next to the goldenrod and invite you to observe it to see what's going on, how it, how it sways, how it moves in community. We don't see a goldenrod here and a goldenrod there. It's always in a, in a group, it seems. It's a community-oriented plant. And look at the flower, look at the stem, look at the leaf. How about tasting it now? So when we taste the leaf, this is something that I always do on an herb walk. I, I pass it around. I really like picking flowers. I like picking flowers and I like giving them to people. I like hanging them on my wall. I like putting them in my guitar strings when I play a show. I'm a total flower hippie. It's my, it's kind of my, it's always been a thing for me, but it be, it's actually really fun to just incorporate this into an herb walk because it's, it's just me shining through. But anyway, so I'm picking these flowers and I'm passing them around, inviting people to taste them, inviting them to smell. And if we taste the leaf, the first thing that's going to happen to me is I'm going to, I'm just, it's actually happening to me now as if I'm doing it. It, it takes away the saliva in your mouth and it makes your mouth feel really sharp. It makes it feel really, really sharp and difficult to swallow. And uh, it's funny that it's just like, I'm so tuned in with goldenrod that this that this can actually happen to me just by imagining it. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> I was joking. I was on an herb walk on Sunday, and I was talking about this concept about being in relationship with plants. And um, I'm just doing a quick aside here. And I, when I say quick aside, you know, you know what I mean. But um, so anyway, I'm talking about being in a relationship with plants and um, and how the medicine of the plants can come through just by imagining them and how profound of a notion is that and here's an example of how that can happen to to anybody you might be laying in bed at night and you're thinking about your friend who makes you who makes you laugh every time you think about this friend they have something funny to say and you have a baseline like relaxed meditative state and all of a sudden, you know, you get giggly and you just let those, that, that feeling runs through you. It changes you. And you could, you could do the same thing where you can lay in bed at night and have like a little baseline for 
um, your meditative state and think about something that make this, a person that triggers you and makes you really angry and upset. And notice how your physiology changes. Like your heartbeat might speed up. You might get angry. It might, it might make you feel mad. And, um, and so that's a really great example of how we can have similar aspect when we are in a strong relationship with plants. And so my joke was at the herb walk was like, but if the word gets out about that, then I won't have a job anymore because I won't be able to sell any plants to anybody because all I'll have to do is imagine them and move on. But it's true. It really is true. And I'll say that at the risk of losing my job because I truly believe it, that if we um, tune in with a plant, that it can offer a subtle medicinal aspect to us that changes things. And I'm noticing that right now when I'm imagining tasting goldenrod leaf in my mouth. So it's funny because when I'm on the herb walk, I'm always saying, you know, uh, don't, don't do this if you plan on speaking or, or being an orator because um, the feeling of having the moisture sucked out of your mouth makes it very difficult to talk, it makes it difficult for your vocal cords to move because they become really tight and they need to have a little bit of lubrication. All right. So then I choke on it for a second and I wait and I wait for a few minutes for my vocal cords to get warmed up again. And that's when we talk about the lesson of what that flavor is. It's, it's a, it's an aromatic flavor that you can tell by smelling it. And that's not, um, the most profound flavor of the, of the leaf. I'm talking about the leaf in particular here. But the most profound flavor is that of the astringency. The astringent flavor is the thing that takes away the, the fluids in the body. It doesn't necessarily take them away. It tightens up the mucosal membrane so they no longer secrete. So let's keep that in mind okay? as we move, move on here. That it's toning and tightening to the mucosal tissues. And, and then I invite you to... Um, smell the flower, take a nibble of the flower, and you'll find also, I mean, maybe you'll find something different than what I describe here. And if so, that's great. Um, I would say generally speaking, um, and by all means, don't take my word for it, please go out and try. But generally speaking, you're also going to find that peppery aromatic flavor. It's really peppery. And it's going to be more abundant as an aromatic flavor in the flower. And it's going to be mildly astringent. Whereas it's going to be a, a peppery astringent in the leaf and mildly aromatic. So I hope that makes sense. The leaf has, the leaf and the flower are two different flavors, but they're also the same flavor <laughs> when combined, basically. They're peppery, aromatic. That's the fresh plant. And if we tasted the, the dried plant, it would be much, much, much more difficult to swallow <laughs> because there would be, it would afford no moisture in its, unto itself to lubricate the vocal cords. So anyway, that is a really, then I'll ask, you know, those sitting with me in the herb walk to see if they can just be present for a moment with their body to find out where it likes to speak. Um, where is that medicine heading? Where's the destination? 
I always like to think about herbs, uh, and I, this is this isn't the the greatest example because I'm not a fan of university, um, which is you never see it, but <laughs> that's an anagram. Um, but the but in university, there is the you know the the college of um, engineering, and then a major in civil engineering right? Or something like that, or mechanical engineering. And so I always think about the foundational actions such as astringent and aromatic and so on as being the, the university or the college, like the college of aromatics. And then it's got its major. So where's, where's the major of this aromatic plant? The major is in the upper respiratory and the kidneys and the urinary tract in general. And the same goes for the astringents. I'm so the so graduating from you never see it university uh, goldenrod would be handed a, a diploma that says um, you know goldenrod uh, ex, you know exchanged all of its um, student loan debt in exchange for the <laughs> this piece of paper that says that it it now is a academic in the field of um, aromatics that that uh, support the, the upper respiratory system. Okay, I have to. I have to. I definitely have to come up with a better example because I do not like university. Anyway, help me out. Help me figure something out. So, if you were following along on this as if we were in an herb walk. You would taste it. You would feel that it's spicy. You would feel that it's drying. If you stayed with your senses for a few minutes, you would find out, or maybe even immediately, you would find out it's telling your upper respiratory, ah, there's some relief up there. There was some tension and now it's pulled tight again. There was some, I should say, there was some laxity. There was some loose and now it's like, it's clear. And if you stayed with it for a few more minutes, you might even feel like I have to go to the bathroom. So uh, let's come back to those as we talk deeper about the medicine of goldenrod. But first I wanna touch on the botanical name. And there are several species of goldenrod in this area, in my area, there's probably 60. And they're pretty much all interchangeable. I would say with one or two exceptions, and I'll come to that in a second, but the botanical name of goldenrod is Solidago. That's S-O-L-I-D-A-G-O. And at this point I would ask, if you were on an herb walk writing this down in your notebook, what does that name conjure to you? S-O-L-I-D-A-G-O. D-A-G-O. And most will say the sun, rightfully, because S-O-L, soul. This is the Latin word for sun. So a lot of Latin languages, soul, sole. This is where we get the English word soul, S-O-U-L, is, is relating also to this aspect, the light, the light that shines through us, the light that shines this world, the light that <laughs> brings life our soul. And ain't that something? Because the sun is going down. 
after the equinox, every night is a little bit longer. It's not going to be more light. It's not going to be more public until the next equinox in Aries, where we started this whole process with cayenne back, back then. For those nerds that have been following this whole time, I thank you. Anyway, sun's going down. This is mythologized in many, many ways. The fall of man, the biblical fall of man from the garden. He's getting kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Was once beautiful in the light of God, right? Now it's fallen. Um, Mythologized in Greek as uh, Persephone being abducted by Hades and taken to the underworld. What does she leave behind? Um, there's always the motif of the um, pomegranate, which is which is um, maybe despised in Greek culture because of that reason, because it's representing the fall. The un alternately, just a quick side weave. The pomegranate has 163 kernels. The average pomegranate has 163 kernels, and that's the same amount of um, mitzvahs as the Torah. So the pomegranate is revered in Judaic Abrahamic traditions. So we have anyway, we have this reverence for, or at least I wouldn't say, I don't know about reverence, but it's depicted very often in mythology as a very, very important time of year, the equinox taking away the light. We're going from the, the public face and into our private realms. I think that this is a time that brings a lot of anxiety in folks. A lot, last week, somebody, multiple people asked me because they know that, that I'm into nerdy stuff. They said, is there some sort of like cosmic event going on? Cause feels like, feels like something. And the main thing that's going on right now is the equinox. You know, deep down epigenetically, we are, our bodies are tuned to this environment. I know it. I know on the surface we have 70 degree rooms. We got avocados under fluorescent lights, 365 days a year, but deep down in our body, when that darkness becomes just a little bit more than the light, something gets signaled. Am I ready? Am I ready to go to the underworld? Am I ready to go inward into the darkness and face my shadow? Am I ready to go? Am I ready? Do I have enough wood to make it through the winter? Do I have enough acorns to make it through the winter? There, there's some deep ancestral anxiety that gets triggered in people with something like the equinox. And that's why these myths um, ring true of the fall of man, of the queen that's been abducted and taken to the underworld and made queen down there. So in justice, we look for remedy. We look for remedy for this course of action. And one remedy that we could find for that lack of light is the last light of the sun that's being expressed in a flower in nature. 
And that's what goldenrod is. That's what goldenrod is saying. Even after everything is brown and crispy, even after the first snowfall, there could be three or four inches of snow in November. And I'll still see, if I go out into the prairie, I'll still be able to find one or two goldenrod that is still gold. And to me, that is a great signature for the light of the sun. Now, what does the light of the sun represent again in medicine? Well, it is the light that heals everything. It's the light that brings all life. So in in the sense of the nervous system, we can bring that light of goldenrod in a more spiritual, subtle way to feel more comfortable within that this dark part of the year. Sometimes the lack of light leads to physical pain. Sometimes the lack of light leads to scared anxiety. Now, goldenrod doesn't have a long history as being supportive of the nervous system, but I think in the intentional dosing, small spiritual dosing and recognizing it for what it is in nature, what it's showing to us in nature, I do think that this could be a great remedy for um, what people have called seasonal affective disorder. That is your extrovert uh, public facing persona that really wants to get out there and shine, but feels oh so cramped up by the cabin fever. (laughs) And so what do they become? They become sad. S-A-D, seasonal affective disorder. I don't like that word, but I do like the word sad. I do like that it's that it make that uh, we could describe the melancholic time of the year as sad. So I think goldenrod is a really good remedy for this. And I'll get to some ways of working with it here by the end. There was something I said I would come back to. Ah, oh, yes. Um, the goldenrod in the field is got this br- bright brilliance because it's in the field. It's not obstructed by trees and everything like that. So it really does Um, to me absorb a lot more of this subtle solar medicine. However, there's some goldenrod that is, um, that grows in the woods and it's a really cool, really cool name. It's called zigzag goldenrod, which sounds like some sort of like, it sounds like a character that would play in the Muppet band, right? (laughs) Like they got a new saxophone player or something and his name is zigzag goldenrod. (laughs) (laughs) Um, that one while it also has the astringent qualities it's not as aromatic because i think that the aromatics are brought forth by the by the um, brightness of the sun and it just you know i would i would work with that one if i needed it in the moment but i've never harvested zigzag goldenrod for medicine i just let it play its uh, muppet band (laughs) instrument or whatever it's playing it's probably playing like the mouth harp or something just imagining like a it's got like a rastafarian with a with golden dreadlocks or something (laughs) okay anyway let's get back to the botanical name so soledago is while it is green speak reference for the sun that's not etymologically what it's referencing. Its etymological reference is solid, S-O-L-I-D, ago. And here's my goldenrod adage that I came up with. 
What was once solid ago, let it be solid again. What does solid mean? <laughs> and what are you talking about solid? Well, in old um, medical speak, something that was solid meant that it was whole, that it was firm. The opposite of firm is infirm. And when you are infirm, you go to the infirmary, which is the hospital. So when there's a piece missing, when there's something leaking, when we're not together, we don't have every piece together, we are no longer solid. And that's what this plant is actually referencing. Its ability to tighten it back up and hold on to your energy and hold on to your essence. Now, here we can remind ourselves of the flavor of goldenrod and how that flavor of astringency really does give us that feeling of becoming solid again. It pulls everything back into itself. Nice and tight. No more leaking. No more looseness. This is why Soledago, Goldenrod, has also another common name, which is really common, a really common common name that refers to many plants, but it's called woundwort. In some, I guess by some warriors, some people who get wounded <laughs> often. And the reason why is because it's a, a very reliable bleeding stopper. If you take, there's tannic acid in goldenrod and tannic acid is also in trees and it's the things that is, it's the acid that's used to tan hides and to make them tight like a drum. And uh, when, if you're cut deeply or maybe even superficially and you're bleeding, you can just get some goldenrod chew it up, make a little spit poultice, put it on, and hopefully, <laughs> if everything's good and uh, it's not too deep and it's not fatal, the bleeding will stop, at least slow down, because it's pulling the lips of the wound together by virtue of its astringent action, tightening, tightening, tightening. And it's also clotting the blood by virtue of the tannic acid. So there's other herbs that we talked about. Um, I didn't talk about yarrow yet. I'm saving that one for my birthday because that's my favorite. Whoop, cover your ears, goldenrod. It's my favorite. And we talked about cayenne and how cayenne can help. Oh yeah, cayenne all the way across the way. How about that? Perfect, perfect synchronicity. How cayenne to me is the quintessential bleeding stopper. And that works in a different way. It works vitally by moving outwards more uh, energy so that it's not condensed into one area. Whereas goldenrod pulls things towards the center. I hope that makes sense. So to, putting them together would actually make a lot of sense for a wound powder. Get some goldenrod, dry it out, put it in your mortar and pestle, knowing, remembering that the leaf is more astringent than the flower, maybe taking care to harvest specifically the leaf for this, putting it in your mortar and pestle, making a powder, and um, mixing that with some cayenne for some bleed stop. And 
as it's commonly called, and just have some powder to throw on a wound and voila, it would work really well. So a wound wart, yes, and highly revered. In, you know, goldenrod grows, there's one species in Europe, but it grows all around North America. So it has this um, connection with the warrior all around the Northern Hemisphere. And, you know, that's where most battles are taking place anyway, in the field. So makes sense to f- that nature would provide <laughs> something for what we need at the time we need it. Oh my God, I'm bleeding to death. There's an arrow that's been shot into my femoral artery. Oh, look what we have here. Some goldenrod right next to me. Perfect. Chew it up. Boom. Get back in there. Um, I'm not an advocate for war. I'm an advocate for humor. So it's a joke. All right. Let's see here. Now, thinking about um, how it's pulling things in and tightening them externally on the surface, we can also think about how that's going to happen internally in the body. We've already imagined that or tasted that by now, I hope, at least at this part of the episode, and realize that, yeah, that is going to estrange. It is really going to tighten in tone. And in particular, it's going to tighten in tone the upper respiratory system. As we know, it's got its degree. It's hanging on the wall. It's got a lot of student loans to pay off for the rest of its life. Um, and it's also got a second or a primary major, I guess you could say, in the urinary tract, which is kidneys, bladder, and even ureter. So what would that look like? A lax, leaking um, upper respiratory system, a lax and leaking urinary tract. Well, in the upper respiratory system, it could look like what people would commonly call allergies, the expressions of allergies. It's leaking, it's dripping, clear mucus. Um, your eyes can feel red and um, watery. And uh, like maybe one nostril is clogged and the other one is dripping and the other one is now clogged and the other one's dripping. And because this plant is aromatic and we know by now that aromatics move, they clear, they decongest, they decongest all different ways. Um, I'm, I'm a graduate of the School of Aromatics and my major is in decongesting the upper respiratory system. And my, also my other major is in decongesting the urinary tract. So this makes a perfect remedy for what we would call allergies um, and specific allergies. Let's say the type of aller- allergic expression that comes out through upper respiratory distress, that kind of thing. There's, a, there's always a group of people every year when I talk about goldenrod for allergies that says, no, 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 I can't take that for allergies. I'm actually allergic to that one. And it would make sense to think that for a lot of people because this time of year comes up and it's what people call hay fever. And they go outside, their their eyes are itching, their nose is running. Uh, it's just difficult to breathe. It's really annoying just to just to be. <laughs> and they go outside and they say, what the hell is causing this? And they look around at this 
sea of yellow blooming goldenrod. It's everywhere. And they say, damn it, that stuff. That's the culprit right there. But if we get closer and we get really close to the goldenrod, we don't even have to be that close. We can see that it's covered with pollinating insects. They're all over it. They love goldenrod. Why? Because it's got nectar that is insect pollinated, which means that in order for the pollen to be the allergen, it would have to leave the flower from an insect. The insect would have to fly like a wasp would have to fly up your nose and then it would have to pollinate your nose hairs. But that's not happening, is it? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's happened. I'm sure somebody's breathed in a bee um, at some point, but more likely and actually what's happening is that golden, or sorry, my apologies, um, ragweed is in bloom. And ragweed is a little tricky, inconspicuous plant, small, it's got, sometimes it's large, but it's got green flowers. So you can't tell that it's in flower. The flowers are pointing down and it is releasing airborne pollen. And that pollen is in the shape of a porcupine. It's like a, it's like a hedgehog that's all rolled up and, and you know, normally when you see that, that's, that's cute. But if you saw it under a microscope and it was like rolling around on your mucosal tissue and your sinus, you would not think it's cute. And that leads to an overreaction and overproduction of histamines and, and whatnot. And it's not a, um, it's not like a, the type of allergic reaction that people have when let's say an anaphylactic, um, allergy, it's more of like a irritating allergy in the same way that if you got sawdust up your nose, that would be an irritating allergy and it would produce similar symptoms. So it doesn't necessarily have to be allergies when we're talking about this type of remedy for goldenrod. We're talking about the condition. The condition is leaky, drippy, and stuffy, and plugged. Goldenrod's the plumber. Comes in, says, uh, "Looks like you got some." No, it's a, it's a plumber. Like it's a, Mar it's Mario. It's Italian. It's like, hey, it looks like you got some drip in here. Uh, is it dripping all over the pizza? We gotta tighten it up. Uh. So, goldenrod comes in, stops the leak, decongests the plug. And a great way of working with this is drinking the tea. Another awesome way is by, in, is by putting it up your nose. <laughs> and I'm serious. You can make some tea and, and I'm not talking about just like taking a goldenrod flower and putting it up your nose, but certainly um, that might help. Uh, just make sure you leave enough to pull back out again. So you don't, you're not the weird one in the emergency room that night. And anyway, if you, <laughs> if you make some tea, you strain it really good. You put that tea into your neti pot with, along with the salt that you normally put in and uh, flush your sinuses with that. It's going to actually come in contact with the tissues that it's working with, and it's going to have a great effect. Um, if you're not into making the tea and all that stuff, just get a tincture of goldenrod and put a few drops of that, five to 10 drops into your neti pot with the salt in place. And, um, and I say that because sometimes people think when they add something to their neti pot, they don't have to add the salt. And if you don't add salt, it will burn. Right. So, um, so neti pots are awesome. Most people know about neti pots. Most people are like, 
you know, it's it's half. It's a it's a total Libra balance thing. Some people are like, oh, love neti pots. Me, I love neti pots. I use it like twice a day. Other people say, I don't want to do with that. I have a deviated septum. I don't want to put stuff up my nose. It feels like I'm waterboarding myself or whatever. There's other ways to snort goldenrod, all right? <laughs> and I'll give you another. It's called nasia oil. And nasia is the sister in the Ayurvedic tradition of neti. Everybody knows about neti pots, N-E-T-I. That's a Sanskrit word, but not everybody's heard of nasya, N-A-S-Y-A. And nasya is the companion, whereas neti is drying and cleansing, the nasya oil is nourishing and moisturizing. So we could take some goldenrod and put it into an oil, infuse it into oil, save some of that oil for another thing I'm gonna mention here in a second, and strain it very, very fine, you know, through a, a coffee filter or something like that. So there's no particulates in there. And then use that as a, as a nourishing oil. You put the beginner's ways, you put a couple drops in the palm of your hand and you just like massage that up your nose and snort it like that. And then after a few days, you're like, oh, this is awesome. I can't believe I've never done this before. This is like, it's like flossing. It's like flossing for the first time where you're like, what you've been telling me this whole time that you can like get the stuff out of my teeth and it feels so much better that way. I can't believe I've never learned that. Um, in the same way that when your skin gets, uh, dry and, um, irritated, prone to irritation, you would put oil on it. You would do that if you had chapped lips and you do the same thing for your sinuses, you're nourishing the mucosal tissue and you're doing that with something that's going to restore in a, solid again kind of way um, helping with the leakiness and also goldenrod and I should just say nausea oil in general has a nice effect on our nervous system because it's weighing down the air element that's in the holes of our body so I'll come back to that another time but basically as we move into this time of year that we're that we call in Ayurvedic tradition the vata season which just means air um, having some heaviness to ground our senses is really, really helpful. So just doing oil up your nose is therapeutic. Um, we can take it an extra step here and make and infuse it with some goldenrod. I would go goldenrod, plantain. I would use another nervine that would be really helpful for my constitution. Wood betony is a really nice, like tridoshic one for that. Um, I wonder if I talked about that in the Wood Betony episode. I can't even remember. But anyway, um, so yeah, consuming goldenrod. It's the main ingredient in my allergy nose sneezy formula. <laughs> can't, I'm not making any claims. No claims. It's just called allergy nose sneezy. Okay, read between the lines. No med medical claims. Um, and it is the one of the primary ingredients in my fallen pollen tea, which is also helpful for these times, types of things. However, I also love goldenrod as a featured ingredient for urinary tract infections and particular like toning up the kidneys. Toning their, this is the kidney time of year, um, what the kidneys got going on. So um, in a tissue state that is loose, lax, prone to things coming and setting in and making little colonies, an antimicrobial um, solution in a vitalist tradition would be changing the environment. 
by toning it back up again, tightening those tissues up like a drum, like you're tuning a drum. And that's what goldenrod is going to do. It's really, really helpful along with maybe some other things in a, in a urinary tract blend, such as um, uva ursi or Oregon grape root or echinacea or uh, many others, or even um, I also work with herbs that have a, a way of just making the, t- the tissue inadherable to in addition to the tightness. A demulcent herb, for example, would be really nice for that. So goldenrod is a great kidney tonic. It's one of the best kidney tonics. And our kidneys are um, organs that take a lot. They're, they are... Um, the readers of the stress in the body. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna play on this a little bit more in future episodes. But right above the kidneys are the adrenals. So they're feeling the stress of the environment and they're reacting to the stress of the environment. They're figuring out what kind of stress we need to hold on to, what type of stuff we can let go of. In an energetic perspective, the kidneys are at our back. So it is what we, what, what we put behind us. <laughs> That's a question that I always like to bring up whenever there's some sort of kidney or lower back thing. For what it's worth, is there something that you're not putting behind you that is asking for your attention? Um, and goldenrod can help bring that to the light so that we can see that and acknowledge that without fear and bring the courage to do so. Um, so whenever there's a lot of stress in the body from a physiological thing, like let's just say somebody's had a cold for a week and a half or two weeks or something like that, they've, they've, they've been ill, their body's been purging of something. They had a fever. Now it's, you know, a lot of mucus. There's a lot of stuff going on. That's like a detoxification event, um, that we could say as people normally call colds, but I like to call them what, what they are (laughs) a detoxification event. The kidneys get under a lot of stress for that because there's a lot of excess proteins. There's a lot of proteinaceous waste, which is called mucus, and uh, they can use a little bit of extra help. So I always use goldenrod, always use goldenrod whenever there is some sort of longstanding um, illness or whenever somebody thinks that they're going to face a longstanding illness, like they have a fever coming on and, and they have a pattern of, let's say, going through bronchitis once a year or something like that. And every time they do, it takes about a week and then they're better. Well, let's go with some goldenrod there. So that way maybe next year you don't, your body doesn't have to be reminded of the same holding that we've held on to some things that actually we wanted to let go of. Goldenrod makes a lot of sense there from a health perspective. It's a really, really high in antioxidants, super high. Um, one of the highest. So this is a great, it's got a lot of bioflavonoids. It's got a lot of quercetin, rutin. It's really, it's really supercharging to the body. When I taste goldenrod, I feel like, um, like I drink a cup of yerba mate. It's, it's not caffeinated. It just feels uplifting. And, um, that to me, to me, that is the opposite of that is the archetype of the goldenrod person. The goldenrod person to me, when I see the goldenrod person, I see a person who holds their palm of their hands on their kidneys. Like they're holding their lower back, their, their mid back, 
And whenever they get a chance to put their elbow down on something or, or support themselves to stand upright, they do. They take that. They're short of breath when they w- walk down the stairs and they have trouble standing. Let me just put it that way. So here's a plant that brings us back into good standing. How? Does it straighten out the spine? Does it have an effect on the spine? Maybe secondarily? To me, it has an, a goldenrod is the reinvigorator of kidney jing, of the kidney essence, of the yang of the kidney, that internal watery fire that holds us upright. We as human beings, um, we can prolong our lives by f- finding aid to being upright. When an animal um, is unable to stand anymore, um, it's pretty much it. It's done. Well, when we're unable to stand, we have methods of helping. You know, we have crutches, we have canes, we have all these all these devices that can hold us up and therefore prolong our life for a long time. And um, so whenever I see something like that going on, I think that's a goldenrod person. Look at goldenrod, so erect, so proud, so beautiful in the field, holding itself up straight with all of this weight that it has from its flower that could topple it over, yet it stays strong. So to me, having uh, that picture in my mind, it I could send my consciousness into um, a pattern of conditions like that, and I could see the the essence of the kidneys low. It's low, and so goldenrod would be really helpful for just bringing somebody back up again. Um, there to say that I would might I might recommend goldenrod for proud posture. This is uh, the way that we revere. Um, ourself and our standing um, as sovereign beings. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop getting so philosophical here. But it's true. This is how I see goldenrod. Another, like another vision that I have when I see goldenrod is of Lee Pace, <laughs> the character that he plays in the movie The Hobbit. So, the adaptation of the book The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. Um, there's a king, an elf king, and this king rides a giant stag. And uh, he's got this beautiful blonde hair, and he's so upright, and he's so proud, and he's so glorious. And he's played by this actor named Lee Pace. And I don't even know the character's name. I can't even remember. Um, some elf, right? Some one great elf, a legendary elf. <laughs> and um, so that's how I see the, the spirit of goldenrod. Um, Matthew Wood talks about goldenrod being a stag medicine, and stag medicines are medicines that help our kidneys, that help our vitality, that help us stand up proud and uh, move in and out of the um, seen and unseen, right on the border between the prairie and the forest, right? And um, that's what the equinox is. We're right on the, on the border between the dark and the light, the public and the private. And that's what this character is too. He's, he, he comes out of his little private, or his little, um, yeah, elf king hole, and he 
faces himself publicly on the battlefield with his beautiful blonde hair. So that's what I see when I'm like really in a meditative state and I'm, and I'm in goldenrod and it's talking to me. I get this, I conjure this image of this proud elf king wearing, that's like riding a stag and has no need of any support to hold himself upright. And uh, I'm not tripping, you know, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just tapping in, just tapping in to the plants, seeing what they tell me. All right. One last thing about Goldenrod. Um, Jim McDonald taught me that it is an analog, a North American analog to, uh, I should say, a, a regional Midwest analog to Arnica when used topically. It helps invigorate the area of wounds. So it is, Arnica is, a, is what we call rubefacient, which means that it's a counter irritant. It helps things heal by poking it and making it unhappy so that it has to send a response to that area. And uh, goldenrod kind of does the same. It's a little irritating to the, to the outside tissues so that it provides um, the motivation for the body to get in gear and start, start um, healing. And that would be completely congruent with a cardinal sign. Some, something that's cardinal is poking, it's provocative, it's moving ahead. We are in the cardinal sign of Libra. Libra is the least likely to provoke. It is the most likely to relate. And so that's why goldenrod isn't super, super provocative to healing. It is uh, beneficial in the balance aspect of healing in the way that it's tightening, toning, providing blood, and also motivating to heal. So when you're infusing it into an oil, you can use that oil also as like an all-purpose healing oil. So you can keep your plantain in there and make a nice all-purpose healing oil with goldenrod. Let's see, anything I forgot? Probably, um, but that's about it for the top of my head. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for, <laughs> thanks so much for listening. We got get yourself some goldenrod tea. It's quite abundant. You can really go out there and, um, and harvest a whole bunch of it and bring it into your home. And you will not disrupt the population because it grows by underground runners. It's all clones, uh, basically. And, um, so there's no need of worry to damage something like goldenrod. It's going to be available and abundant. And when plants are available and abundant, they say, here I am, use me frequently, use me for a lot of different things. Um, and goldenrod certainly would be good for a lot of those different things. So many things in the body and the way that we can relate to our healing process. And uh, that's the herb of the week. Thanks so much for listening, y'all. Have a great one until next week. Ciao.